0: Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Uh, I'm your guest speaker today. It's good. <laughs> uh, some of you guys have probably come over the last five weeks and and like enjoyed. I mean, what the crew has done, Lauren and. And Brian and Doug and uh, then together doing the nines, right? All of that. Yeah. And uh, g- gave uh, Karen and I some time to, to be able to relax and get some, I don't know if you can see this from here, but I got some stitches in my face. No, it was not lapsing back to the old days or anything. Um, <laughs> It was, uh, you know, the sun does work on us here, and we spend a lot of time in the sun around Myrtle Beach. Eventually, you gain more than you need, and so the doctors come and take it away. And uh, and so, but no problems with anything. It's just all preventative maintenance, as we say. And uh, so we, we've we had a good time, and we the conference came during that period of time. We were able to worship and just... Uh, be with our Vineyard brothers and sisters. And uh, thank you guys for taking care of everything. And uh, if this is your first time, or if you came over the last five weeks, my name is Tim, and uh, I I am the pastor here at the church. <laughs> 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 you know, it's, it's kind of nice after 21 years, uh, after we started the church 21 years ago, to be able to take a little bit of time every now and then, every few years, and do something extended like this. And So thank you so much. And uh, as we head back to, uh, the beach begins to at least slow down just a little bit uh, as we enter the fall, as we get ready to leave the summertime. And, uh, you know, a lot of college students and our kids are going back to school. A lot of us are refocusing, looking at our jobs, looking at our responsibilities. And it's kind of a time at the end of the summer when we begin to... Think about making new decisions, doing things. Uh, uh, some of you guys are at a place in your life with your businesses or uh, maybe you're starting one or you're coming out of college or you're going into college or you're wanting a relationship, you want to get married. You've got so many opportunities to make decisions and, and to make good ones or not so good ones sometimes. And so I, I thought as I prayed through the five weeks, it'd be really good for us to take the month of August and to be able to look at what it means to make good decisions, because I think the lord i don 't think the Lord has left us without help in that in that uh, area I, I think he 's got a lot of help in his word, and you know just a week before last, uh, I celebrated the best decision i ever made in my life, and that is my wife we uh, celebrated forty seven years of marriage and um, yep, yeah, and you know that even that decision uh, is you keep making, when you found out you made a good decision, you keep making it, right? It's like, then you, you get more opportunities to actually make it again and again, right? Because as time goes on, as you have struggles and stress, then you have to go, I have to evaluate, am I, what am I going to do? And you make another decision. And so, this is what we're going to do. And on the back of your handout, there's a fill-in. We're going to lay some foundation today, a little bit of groundwork on this. And then for the next four or five weeks, we're, we're going to We're going to take a look at it. We are, as a vineyard people, as a part of the vineyard, uh, we, I think, have a wonderful, or at least we're trying to, have a grasp on what I would say is the Word and the Spirit, both together. Uh, That is, that 2 Timothy 3, 16-17 says that the Word, you know, that everything we need is there for it, the Word. And then also, Jesus said in John 16 that the Holy Spirit would come and teach us all things. He would come and help us. And in the vineyard, I think we have a good, at least we're, we struggle with it, but at least we're working hard to bring the scripture together along with the presence of the Holy Spirit into our lives so that we can hear what God has to say and respond well. And uh, Lauren mentioned this quote from our founder, the Vineyard Movement, of John Wimber, where John said, All word and no spirit we dry up all spirit and no word, we blow up. <laughs> word and spirit, we grow up. And I thought, that's that's beautiful. That's so Wimberish. And uh, some of us came from a tradition of such high respect for the scripture that everything is, and, and we do too, but as far as there being Uh, the Holy Spirit in the moment to speak to you, to confirm and to be there with you. It, It wasn't as much emphasis put on that because it can be a little subjective at times. So in some traditions, it's all word and not a lot of the spirit operating in the moment right now. And then some of us came from other backgrounds where it was all spirit, hallelujah. And you know, like the Holy Spirit, if you felt it, it was him speaking. And so you said it and found a scripture to back it up. And see, that's not healthy either. There's got to be a way to bring this together so that we walk in the Word and the Spirit. And I think making decisions in our life, there's just uh, no more important thing than to do just that, to bring the two together. How do we discern what the Holy Spirit is saying to us? And what do we find? And how do we find it in God's Word in leading us in making good decisions? You know, we make, this came from a, uh, a guy uh Dr. Eric Kling out of the University of Minnesota, he said, "We make between three hundred and seventeen thousand decisions a day three hundred and and then seventeen thousand now some some you know what I'm talking about some days and three hundred sounds like a lot, right? I mean, but seventeen thousand wow, but you know sometimes on your job or in your family or in situations. You just have things coming at you right and left, and you have to decide what am I going to do? And so, we, I mean, really, life is just a transition of one decision to the next. Every moment is a decision. And so, we're going to launch out of the book of James. If you have your Bible, you have your app, it's going to be on the screen, it's on the back of your handout. So, this word is everywhere because we do love the Bible, we love the word of God. And, um, and so we'll we'll launch out of James, and I'll explain that in a minute. But I want to pray. We we want to ask the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. When he's here. He's, he's always here with us. But we want to ask for him to come and help us during this period of time as we launch this series on how to make good decisions. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for uh, bringing Karen and I back to, to the church we love and the people we love and what you're doing here at the beach. And we pray today, Lord, as we launch into this new series, that indeed you would guide us, direct us there. Everybody in this room has got some decisions they're gonna have to make, maybe today that are very important or in the coming days. And we need your help to make the right decisions, the wise decisions, the prudent decisions. And so we ask for you to open your word to us. And Holy Spirit, we ask for you to, to give us clarity of mind and heart so that we can process that which you have given us to use in order to make these good decisions. Give me the gift of teaching over the next few minutes, Lord. Help me in my weakness. Uh, teach me to, Lord, in this, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the book of James, obviously, written by a guy named James. And in case you don't know it, James is Jesus' half-brother. He's the brother right next to him. And uh, one of the things I really like about James when I read the book of James is realizing that James, matter of fact, Jesus... Whole family except his mom, and even I think she was like, "Huh, you know, is is he really who he thinks he is?" That kind of thing at some points. But his brothers and James and they they didn't believe Jesus was who he said he was up until right before the crucifixion. So you have James, this book. If you'll read it, short too. You can read it in like five six minutes, and you can say, "I read the Bible." <laughs> it, it won't take. It won't take long, and. Um, Read it. It's it's written by the half-brother of Jesus who did not believe up until right before the crucifixion. He was in the upper room when the Holy Spirit came. James became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. James uh, eventually uh, gave his life for the gospel. He was stoned to death because of the gospel. Annas, the high priest, had him killed. Uh, he became a prominent member in Christendom from the very beginning, but it wasn't like that until right before the crucifixion. So, when I read this book, when you read the book of James, keep that in mind, that that's who's, reading, who's writing this book. And he's writing it to the vast group of Jewish, uh, I think, believers. Some think both non-believers and believers. But to the vast uh, group of Jews who have been just the diaspora, as they call it, who have been sent out all around and uh, to all the countries driven by, uh, uh, you know, because of prejudice and all, have been driven out. And so he's writing this letter to them. And James is very upfront and in your face. James does not pull any punches about getting it done. He is the guy who believes that you do it. You get out and you do it. It's not just something inward, your faith, but it is something you do as well, that you get out and you live your faith. And so I thought, what a great book to start. And so let's read this text to launch with James 1, 5 through 8. And this will be our launch scripture. And then we're going to use James this morning to look at three things that will, I think, help us make good decisions. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Lord, bless your word. Yeah, that's pretty direct, huh? I mean, James, dude, once you got it, like... And do you know in this book, he never says, yeah, Jesus was my big brother. He never does that. He doesn't call himself that. It's very humbling for him to know that that was his family and that Jesus was born to it. This, uh, as this book progresses on, we get to the second chapter. We read this. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture... Love your neighbors as yourself. You are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. James, man. You know, right up. This is your first feeling when we're making good decisions. Good decisions are grounded in love. Good decisions are grounded in love. And I'm going to tag this unbiased love. That's the challenge. I mean, that is the challenge, because it's not hard to make a decision that will benefit the people you love the most, is it? It's like, I can make that decision, but if I have to consider a broader picture, if I have to consider more than just the ones I hold dearest to me, then it becomes a little more complicated, and um, good decisions have an element of a plan of welfare for others, so when we begin to consider what we're going to do in a situation, it's a great you know it's a great question to say how is this going to affect others? Is there going to be an element of love that's going to be expressed in this decision? And I you know it is not that easy sometimes, uh, especially wait till you have teenagers, and um, that's that's when things like you realize I love you so much, I'm going to do what is right. Because, and I'm not picking on you teenagers, I was one a long time ago, but uh but I do remember it, and so does my dad um still, but you it gets down to the point that where you either let things go and you let things go, or you love someone enough to do what is best and right, you get it. There is an element of love in making a good decision there's a There's a sad example of this in the Old Testament, in uh, 1 Samuel 2, where there's a priest named Eli. Eli uh, stayed there. Uh, he was the high priest, ministered in the temple. Uh, he had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, and they ministered in the temple with him. Maybe, uh, maybe you have read and you know of Hannah who wanted to have a baby and finally was pre- got pregnant. And she said, Lord, if you'll let me get pregnant, I will give you my son. I will give him to you. And so in 1 Samuel, we read this story. And sure enough, Hannah cries out to the, to the Lord and cries out to the Lord. And she gets pregnant. And she has a baby named Samuel. And she takes him to the temple. And she gives him to the priest, and she says, he's, he's yours. And of course, she came back, and I mean, it's not like she abandoned him, but he was to be raised there for God in the temple. Now, I met a priest. This was a Buddhist priest. I was in Thailand once and once. I was on this bus for like six hours. And I was sitting in the back of the bus, and this Buddhist priest sat down by me. And uh, his parents had dropped him off when he was eight years old at a at a, wat, at a Buddhist temple and left him there with a bowl of rice. That's what he got left with. And uh, he was a fascinating, spoke six different languages and uh, was getting ready to go to Sweden to work. Just a fascinating man and a very gentle man and said that some missionaries had come by his house before his mom had left him at the temple and told him about Jesus and how he believed it, but then he was dropped off at the Buddhist temple and everything changed for him. Well, this story turns out a lot better than that for Samuel. But in the process... There are some decisions that were made, some good and some not so good. Eli was promised by God that he was going to bless his family and use his family, and but what did Eli do? His sons were horrible priests. They took advantage of the people coming to the temple. They took their food. They abused the women that came. It was. You ever read the thing? The stories in the Bible. I mean, there are real stories in here. And in 1 Samuel 2 is a very sad story of a wonderful man, Eli, who was given a promise by God. But when it came down to making a decision based on love, unbiased love, he couldn't do it because he let his sons go. He let them go and do anything they wanted to do. And then one day God says, I've had it. I've had it with this. I've had it. And God asked him this. He said, why do you honor your sons more than me? Why do you honor your sons more than me? And that love for God, the love for doing what God had called him to do, was suddenly overshadowed by not wanting to discipline his children and not wanting to help guide them in the right direction. And he went way downhill. Because we get confused in our love, don't we? We think love is not to do something that needs to be done. And, and so we don't make decisions based on an unbiased love when it comes to many times, not, it, not just in our families, but even in our businesses or in ministry or, or wherever you are in your life. Sometimes we just let certain things overwhelm us to the point of not being able to make a really good decision should be based on love. It should be based on a love for what God wants. It should be based on a love for what is great for the kingdom, for his rule and his reign. And uh, that should be the centerpiece of all that we do. Good decisions are grounded in love, unbiased love. And you know, our decisions reflect what we treasure most. You can do an inventory in your life right now and look back on your decisions and you will find out what you treasure the most. And so as we start this process of of learning what it means to make good decisions, let's remember that indeed it's based on love. It's grounded in love, but it's grounded in a love that is much more than just this myopic special place for certain individuals. It's much broader than that. It's the kingdom of God. It's God's will, what he has in store, and that we love that. And that'll be good for the ones we love too if we operate in it. So that's your first one. You know, and that's a, you know a good question when you to test your decision is, is this love's way? What I'm about to do, this decision I'm about to make, is this love's way? Is it? In James 4, 3, as we move on with this, It says this, James says, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. Love, now our motives. Good decisions are based on good motives. Right motives. Healthy motives. Good motives. And again, that's not as easy sometimes to discern in our hearts. You know, what is... What is the motive for me making this decision right now? How many of you make, you make your decisions so it's the least painful for you? Like, well, this, this, won't be as, this won't be as hard for me, so I'll make this decision. This one's going to go a lot easier. So, I, you know, is that, the, is that the good motive? I mean, is that, is that something that should be driving us? I understand. I totally get it. I really do. I totally get going that way. And sometimes we freeze up, don't we? We don't make it. Did you know when you don't make a decision, you made a decision? That was one of those 300 or 17,000. That was, yeah, it's like, I, I, you know, Scarlett O'Hara, you know, it's like, oh, you know, some of you don't know even who she is, of course, but in Gone With The Wind. But, you know, she says there's always tomorrow. Like, I'm going to worry about that tomorrow. I'm not just not going to do it today. I'm just going to shove it off somewhere. That's a decision as well. We think it's not. We think, oh, I I don't have to make this decision right now. But when you didn't make it, you made one. And the motive was to try to not to make one so I won't feel uncomfortable. So maybe there won't be as much pain in this decision for someone, especially me. Um, So I won't make this decision. But that was a decision in that moment. And somebody's, you know, somebody's going to make the decision And uh, the motives are very important. I dare say that sometimes the motive behind our decisions is more important than the decision itself. Because it exposes so much in our lives. I mean, it's a good thing to give. It's a wonderful thing to give. But if you give with the motive to be seen for your giving, then it's not that good. It's good to pray. It's wonderful to pray. But if you pray so others can hear you and go, oh, what a holy person then the motive's wrong. The motives are at the heart of everything why we do what we do and they're not that easy sometimes to discern. And sometimes we think, I'm gonna make this decision. My motive is that, you know, it'll be a good decision. It'll be a painless decision and there'll be peace in the decision and we're gonna cover a lot of this in the next few weeks. But you know what? Jesus was in the garden. You remember that? Right before he was crucified and he is sweating blood crying blood weeping blood he is making a decision in that moment to suffer why because his motive was to redeem me and you his motive was to obey his father and it says in hebrews 12:2 for the joy set before him he endured the cross endured the shame The joy before him. In the moment, his motive was there is something beyond this tough decision that is beautiful. That is the joy set before Jesus. And we find ourselves, of course, it's nowhere near that depth. But many times we will find ourselves in a valley of decision where there is going to be pain in the moment. There is going to be something to endure, but we keep our eyes over in that direction as Jesus looked and I love this scripture in 12, 2, Hebrews 12.2 listen to this fixing our eyes on Jesus this is how we do it fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down which is a symbol of it's finished sat down at the right hand of the throne of God do you see this? Joy, endure. Scorn and shame, sat down in glory. Motives mean everything. Checking our motives in the moment. And many of us that are, um, let's say, Holy Spirit kind of, people that we side more with a like a now word, as I used to hear it called, like I gotta get a now word. Like the Lord needs to tell me right now what to do right now in every little single moment. And I'll, listen to this, what we are is more important than where we are many times. I'm, con- I'm convinced God is much more interested in who we are than where we are. Who are we as a follower of Jesus? What's going on in that moment? Because a lot of us know at this stage of life, we've seen things where we haven't made the best of decisions at times, and yet things have come around, and here we are. And it was God working in us, doing some things, raising us up. And why we do something can be more important than the what we do. Am I doing this out of, you know, a heart for God, a heart for what He wants? And what he desires. Good decisions are based on good motives. And so it's, you know, I tell you guys all the time, I keep a journal. And I journal like when it's time to make decisions, which we're doing 300 to 17,000 every single day. And there are seasons where we make more important decisions, it seems like, than normal. What a good time to when you're considering your decisions to write out and ask God, show me my heart. Show me my heart, why, if, why am I going to make this decision? How am I going to make it? What's the reason behind it? What is my motivation behind this? Is it pure? Is it selfish? Or is it something to bless the many? Which one is it? And this is good work in making decisions, especially the more important decisions in our life. And so good decisions are grounded in love. Good decisions have good motives. And then let's move on to James four thirteen through 15. Uh, James, man. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. James is so nice. (laughs) such a gentle apostle. Come along, let me love on you a while. You know, it's like, how many of us? you know, are so bold and so. And, and James is not saying you shouldn't plan. He's not saying you should not have some confidence in what you plan to do at all. But he is saying this, this is your last feeling. And good decisions have an if factor. It's a big if factor. Like Proverbs 27.1 says, do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day may bring. Example, in Acts 18, Paul has preached in a synagogue and the Jewish people in that church and that synagogue are just, they love it. They want to hear more, more. Paul, tell us more, tell us more. And most of us would go, yeah, let me stay another day. But listen to how Paul responds. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it is God's will. And it was a good thing, right? But Paul goes, if. Because there's an if factor that I take great comfort in. Now that might wig a lot of us out and make us a little schizoid. You know, it's like, no, I got my plans. I got my plans. I'm going to do this. And, and, And God comes along and James comes along and says, don't ever forget there's an if factor. And it's a big one. If the Lord wills. Doesn't mean you don't plan. Doesn't mean you don't pray through all of this. Doesn't mean any of that. But it means this, consider. Consider God's got a bigger plan through all of this. And so I take awesome comfort in that because every decision you make, I'm like, okay, God, I am going to give this my best shot. I have done my homework. I have done my praying. I have done my consideration and my research. And now I'm going to do it. I'm going to step into it. If the Lord wills, this is going to go good, you know, if the Lord wills. And, And so he just wants to remind us to keep him in our decisions. That's what James is doing. We don't make decisions in our life. We followers of Jesus to the exclusion of the one who called us and saved us. God has no problem with our planning, but he wants us to remember him. We're free to make our decisions, but we are never free from God. One uh, book that I was reading on decision was a very conservative, um, decision-making was a very conservative book. Uh, way conservative. I had some good things to say. Uh, but, uh, you know, kind of neglected, I think, to the, to the presence of the Holy Spirit speaking to us in times. But this quote was in the book. It said, We need to remember That when we talk about making decisions, God is not limited to what we decide to do. And that's true. God is not limited. And so I take great comfort in that because if I do miss it, I know God can come back around. He'll come back around and work it together for good. I believe that, but that doesn't mean, just like the picture of Eli in the Old Testament, it doesn't mean that we just take it for granted and we willy-nilly go out and do what we want Saying, well, God you know, God's sovereignty will cover everything. And it doesn't really matter about my decisions. Look at Eli's life. Did God have his way with Eli, with Israel? Absolutely. But you know what happened? Eli and his family missed being used by God in a wonderful way because of their decisions and their lack of making the right ones. And God doesn't want that for us. So yeah, he'll come back around. He'll work things. But you know what he wants? He wants you to be a part of that. He wants you to be a part of the decisions and the things that he wants to do on the earth and in your family and in your business, in school and in your friendships and in your relationships. So Lord, help us today as we launch into considering our decisions in life. And Father, at this moment, I pray also that Lord, there are decisions to be made here this morning. I think there are many of us here who go, I'm in a place where I've got to make a decision, an important decision. And I wanted to have a call this morning for two people, two types of people in here. One is if you have not made a decision to follow Christ, you have not responded to his call, make that decision this morning. Stand up and say, okay, Jesus I am making the best decision of my life. That also just happened in May for me. That was 47 years ago. But I've made that decision day after day. It wasn't just one decision. It was every day I make that decision. Jesus, I'm making a decision for you today to follow you. And so I'm going to ask you to stand. And second to stand, if you're in a place of having to make some uh, important decision what you believe is important decision I want to pray for you this morning Could, would you stand as well just go ahead be bold do it make a decision to stand you can do it that's right oh Jesus Holy Spirit we trust you we love you I'm asking for you to move on all of our hearts today mine included we pray Lord that Your gentleness, your kindness, your wisdom, Lord, would begin to saturate our hearts and our minds. We pray, Lord, even if we're in the place of tension right now, that we would hear deep within you and we would realize as we think through things, this is the way we should go. And I'm going to trust you, Lord, and I'm going to make this decision father we pray for that clarity today clarity of we may not get all of our you know questions answered but we'll get a sense that this is the way we need to walk And Lord, for those today who are making the grandest decision of their life, which will put them in a position to make wise decisions in the days ahead by receiving you, by saying yes to you, Lord. I pray right now they say yes. Make your decision right now. Say yes to Jesus. Yes. Yes. Yes, Lord. I decide. I respond to your call. I say yes to you, Lord Jesus. I give my life to you. I surrender to you. I respond to your call. Yes. Come Lord. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.